<laughs> wow, wow. I am not that cool. Let's just say, let's just get that out of the way. Uh, welcome, good morning. Um, I got a phone call a couple weeks ago from a man. Uh, he called our church. And he doesn't attend our church, uh, but he has family that comes to Harborside. And, and we were talking, he likes to call our church uh, and talk to a pastor so that he could get prayer uh, for different things in his life. And this time as we were talking, he was letting me know that uh, there's a good possibility that his wife uh, was going to find out that she has lymphoma in her midsection. There's a good chance she had cancer. And, and as I was talking to him, he, you know, he said that, you know, this isn't the only thing she's been through this year. She's, she's gone through health problems, you know, throughout this year. And it's just over and over again, it keeps happening. As he's telling me this, all, all I can think about is, is he's feeling like him and his wife and his family are just being attacked. Like things just keep coming and pouring on to, to them that they, and they just can't get through it. And so I knew what to pray for for his wife. I was, I was going to pray for healing and, and comfort and peace. But I asked him, what, what can I pray for you as a husband in this situation? And he told me, and as he starts crying, he says, Griffin, just pray that I have faith for my family. Just pray that I put my trust in the Lord. You see, this man just felt defeated. He felt like there was nothing he could do to help the situation. And I wonder, as we walk into the room today, as we come to church together, how many of us are, are coming in this room today feeling defeated in some area of our lives? I mean, how many of us are feeling like we're in the midst of this battle, like these things in this life are surrounding us and we're, and we're faced with these, these battles in our lives and it just doesn't seem like victory is in sight? Maybe some of you walked in this morning and, and you're struggling with your marriage and you just feel defeated because you, you can't come together and it's not working as you want it to and, and you're, you're, there's thoughts of divorce and you just feel defeated where you're at with your spouse. Maybe for some of us we feel defeated with money and we feel like we just don't have enough or we, we can't provide or, or we don't know how to gain more to, to help our families. I'm sure some of us in the room feel defeated with our jobs, and we're dreading waking up tomorrow morning and walking in uh, to our office and having to deal with this situation or, or our boss or someone else that we work with, and we just feel defeated. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you yourselves or a family member are dealing with an illness and bad news about, about sickness in your family or, or in your own body. And it just keeps coming and you can't get away from it. You just feel like you're defeated. Now I'm sure we all realize that in this life, every one of us faces these battles. And as we go through this series, this freedom series, we find the Israelites in Exodus chapter 17 faced with a very similar situation. They're faced with their very own battle. And if you want to follow along, we're going to start in verse 8 of chapter 17 in the book of Exodus. And it starts and it says, The Amalekites came and, and attacked the Israelites at a place called Rephidim. Now in Genesis 25 through 27, uh, they teach us about these two brothers. We have Jacob and Esau. And now the firstborn who is Esau, their father being Isaac, the firstborn is supposed to receive this birthright, these blessings as the firstborn son. 
But, it, but as the story goes, he trades the birthright to his, his little brother Jacob, and it causes this, this conflict. Jacob ends up receiving the birthright, and, and they basically, for the next couple chapters, it, it looks like they're going to enter into this battle against each other. Their own flesh and blood going against one another. Now what's interesting about this is that Amalek, who is the leader and, and who began this tribe of people, the Amalekites, Amalek is a descendant of Esau. He is his grandchild. And Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel, his people are being attacked by uh, Esau's descendants. So it's basically like flesh and blood are attacking the Israelites. And God thinks this is a, you know, a special story because he, he talks about it again in Deuteronomy chapter 25. And it tells us that not only did flesh and blood attack the Israelites, it says when they were at their weakest and most weary moments in this exodus out of Egypt, the Amalekites circled around them and they snuck up behind them and attacked them with a surprise attack. I mean, doesn't it just hurt a little bit more when it's your own family that is attacking you? I think some of us can, can, can feel that. We know what that feels like. I mean, it's one thing to be attacked in this life uh, with a situation that, that's out of our hands. But when it's family, those hurt just a little bit more. And Israel is faced with this attack and this battle right in front of them. And so you would think Moses, who is this chosen, anointed by God, the leader of the Israelites, you would think his first instinct would be to get up and to start fighting and battling for his people. I mean, you'd think he'd, he'd just jump into the mix and defend his family and his people, but the story tells us that Moses does the exact opposite. See, what Moses does is he, he takes himself out of the battle and he removes himself and he goes up on top of this mountain to the top of the hill that overlooks the battle. And he takes with him this rod, this staff of God. And what he does is he goes to the top of the mountain and he holds up his arms to the skies. And back in the text it tells us in verse 11, as long as Moses, as long as he held up his hands, the Israelites were winning this battle. But whenever he lowered his hands... The Amalekites were winning. So the leader of the Israelites, he doesn't take part in this battle. He doesn't start fighting and defending his people. He takes himself away. Now we would think it looks like he's running away. It looks like he's just saving himself. But I think Moses understood something that you and I could learn something from. Because we're all faced with battles in this life. We're all faced with these attacks that, that we feel and, and we want our first instinct is to just start swinging and to defend ourselves, isn't it? We just want to fight our way to the victory with these battles we face. But we learn from Moses that all God wants us to do in the midst of these battles is to remove ourselves from the fight and to lift our hands up to the Lord and put our trust and faith in Him. In the midst of these battles. So our role in the battles that you and I face in this life is to trust. It is to step away and to lift up our hands and say, God, we put our trust and our faith in you. 
my wife is five weeks away from delivering our first child. Isn't that very exciting? We are we're very happy. They've, they've told us it's a little girl, and so we are flooded with pink things. I mean... I've never been around more pink in my life. I'm slowly but surely getting used to it. There's pink drapes, pink dresses. I mean, pink is everywhere. You know, we're hanging up her little clothes in the closet, these little tiny dresses. It's beautiful. Uh, But this entire process hasn't been uh, the the easiest for us. It hasn't been all smiles because about three months into it, we felt uh, it seemed very much like we had lost the baby. And uh, it was kind of a, a reminder of a difficult situation we had been through uh, months before that. And I remember walking home, walking into the door, and my wife was just filled with fear. She was crying, and, and I was just trying to console her. And, and both of us were just scared. Um, and we felt like this, this blessing that had been given to us with this child and this birth was just being ripped away from us. I mean, we felt literally like we were under attack, and this blessing was being removed from our lives. And you can understand as the man and as the husband and already feeling like a father, all I wanted to do was to take this pain away from my wife. That's it. All I wanted to do was to jump in there and remove this this physical and this mental and this emotional pain. But I quickly realized there was literally nothing I could do to take it away from her. There was nothing I could do. There's no fight in the battle that I could do to take it away from her. And so I quickly realized that all I could do in this situation that my family was faced with is to step back and to say, God, we put our trust and we put our faith in you in the midst of this battle because we cannot do anything with this on our own. It is your will for our lives. We trust in you. May it be your will in the future. We just had to pull ourselves out. You see, I think God in the midst of our struggles, he just calls us to remove ourselves from trying to fight ourselves. And he says, just come and rest in me because I will fight the battle for you. You don't have to fight. You just have to trust in me. And I think we're all faced with that opportunity in the midst of our battles. As we go back in the text to to verse 9 in chapter 17, it says, it continues, Moses said to Joshua, he says, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Now this is interesting. This is the first mention of this character Joshua in the entire Bible. And so Moses, before he removes himself from the battle and, and goes to the top of this hill in the mountain, he handpicks the man that will lead the Israelites into the, into the battle and to protect themselves from the Amalekites. And so he chooses this man named Joshua. Now what's interesting about this choice is, is Joshua's original name is the name Hosea. And Hosea actually means salvation. But Moses comes into his life and he actually changes his name to this name Yeshua. And the meaning of Yeshua is God is salvation. For some of us that may ring a bell with that name and that translation, Yeshua, we translate to Joshua. And that name is the exact same name of Jesus, Messiah, Yeshua. God is salvation. 
And so Moses handpicks Joshua, whose name means God is salvation. He says, lead our armies to victory. As I remove myself, I will lift up my hands for myself and our nation and our family and trust in God. But I'm sending you, God is salvation, to lead us in battle. You see, I think Moses, not only did he understand his role in the battle... I think Moses understood God's role within this battle. And as we read here in the text, in 13 and 15, it says, So Joshua, he overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And so Moses, he built an altar in verse 15, and he called it, The Lord is my banner. And the name of God we'd like to teach you today is Jehovah Nisi. Would you say that with me? Jehovah Nisi. And it's translated in this scripture that God is our banner, but it's also translated that God is our victory. You see, Moses knew that it was his battle, but it wasn't his battle to fight. Because what he understood, what it is God that will lead us into the victory. He will be the one that fights for us. He will be the one that protects us, and he is our victory. And all God wants us to do is to rest in him. That he will fight those battles for us. You see, victory is only found in God. He is the source of our victory in our battles. But that's not the end of the story here in this text. You see, there's two more people that we're introduced to as Moses is removing himself from the battle We learn that he's not alone as he goes up. He doesn't choose to go up on top of the hill alone. He brings people with him. In verse 10 and then in verse 12 it says, So Joshua, he fights the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, they went up to the top of the hill. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur, they held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. It's interesting to me in this text that it tells us that Moses gets tired. I mean, why would Moses, I mean, he's not in the battle. He is up on top of the hill lifting his arms up to the Lord. Why is it that he gets tired but it doesn't say that Joshua does. I think we learn a few, a few things from that. One is that even the strongest of us Christians, even the most committed believers in this room, we can, we can grow tired spiritually in our trust and faith to God. My family was uh, in an in a interesting situation a few years back. It was my freshman year of college. And I was home for the summer, staying with my family. And my dad, for a few months before I got home, was dealing with some health problems. And I'll go ahead and tell you, at the end of this story, everything was fine with him. They found out he had fluid around his heart and inflammation, and and they fixed it with medicine. He's perfectly fine. But for months and months, we had no idea what was going on with with his body and his health. And so we decided to, to put him into the hospital to figure out what was going on. Now, as a son... You always look up to your dad like he's Superman. Me and my brother have talked about this. Like, nothing can phase dad. I mean, he, you can always rely on him. He will fight through anything. I mean, he will be able to conquer anything. 
But this illness was just taking over his body. He was getting tired. So he spent two or three days in the hospital. And you know how hospital visits go. I mean, you're tired. They're giving you medicine. They're waking you up at night to give you sleeping pills. You know, they're just, they're doing all this crazy stuff. And as you get out, you're just so exhausted and tired, you know. So we thought it'd be a good idea as, as he gets out to celebrate. And so we as a family, we went down to Bonefish Grill right here off Enterprise to celebrate and to have dinner. And so as we get there, it's in the middle of the summer. We're waiting outside for 20 minutes. It's hot. And we could tell my dad this, this wasn't the smartest thing. And so he's just getting tired. And, and we decide it's probably best if we leave. And so we had actually already been seated. And just as we're deciding to leave, my dad starts to faint. And now I've never been a part of anything like that. I've never watched someone just kind of lose himself, let alone your dad. And, and he was just starting to, to pass out and lose himself. And so my mom, she starts to get frantic and we all start to panic. We're in the middle of bonefish on like a Saturday night and there's people everywhere, okay? We are about to create a scene, okay? So my, my mom just starts just yelling his name and shaking him and stuff. She actually started to slap him a little bit, which I'm pretty sure she enjoyed just, just a little bit. You know, you know what I'm talking about, wives. It's fantasies. Maybe one day. Um, not at the time, but, but I think afterwards that felt good, you know. So she's, she's slapping him, trying to wake him up. Now, I, I'm a very laid-back, calm, go-with-the-flow kind of guy. I don't like a lot of attention, even though I'm standing in front of a lot of people right now. Uh, I just, that's just who I am. And now, where I was in this story, I was the third person in the row in the booth at the table, and so as I'm watching my dad go through this, my instincts just kick in. And I just, I just feel compelled to do whatever I can to help him, you know, just to help him in this situation. And so I literally, I jump up both feet onto the table like kung fu style, you know, just, I just land on the table, okay? I jump off the table into the aisle, and I'm running down the aisle screaming at the hostess, call 911, call 911, and I freak this girl out. She's like 17 years old, just trying to make some money for the summer, this easy, you know, I'm just going to seat people. And here comes this college kid, call nine, was just freaking her out. She's fumbling the phone, dialing the wrong numbers. I keep yelling at her and she's crying. I mean, I just, I ruined her entire summer, basically. So they call the ambulance, they, they bring it and they wheel my dad out of there. He spends a couple more days in the hospital. But even though I I didn't, you know, it's not who I am, I felt compelled to just jump out there and to help him. You see, I think even the strongest of us spiritually, we need people to help us. Keep our trust in the Lord. You see, when Moses and Israel needed it the most, these two people, Aaron and Hur, they showed Moses that in your spiritual act of trusting the Lord, we are here with you and you are not alone in your part of this battle. You do not have to face this alone. We are here to encourage you. We are here to support you. We are here to help you keep your arms lifted up to God, trusting in him. And so Moses has these two helping him lift up his arms. You see, you may not be in this room facing a difficult battle in your life. But someone next to you is. Someone next to you is trying to fight their way through their battles. And they need someone to help them. 
see the church community's role within the battles of this life, it's to support. See, because some people just need their arms to be lifted up for them. Now, a few years uh, after that story with my dad, uh, the first place I worked at, uh, we were, is by Curlew and 19, okay? So I would drive uh, past that intersection every day to work, and, and as I would do that, over the course of like two or three weeks, I would see this homeless man on the, on the median almost every day, and he had the cardboard cut out, the sign asking for food. So after you see this for a few weeks, you start to feel just compelled to go and and speak to him and talk to him and pray with him. And and so I did. And I went and and I asked him about his situation. And he had been homeless for a number of years. He slept on a concrete bench outside of Home Depot just across the street for years. No food, no money. He didn't even have an identification to get a job. So as I'm talking to him, um, he's, I asked him, do you have any family near you that knows about your situation? And he tells me, I have family in Jacksonville that know I'm homeless, but they haven't reached out to help me. And so all I could do was, was pray for this man, and I, I gave him a Bible, and I told him, you know, I'll be praying for you. And so I did, and I went home that night, and I told my wife about this man and this situation. I said, we need to pray for him. And so we did. We started to pray. Um, a, a, and a few weeks go by. And, um, you know, we're, we're driving in the same place, and this time my wife's with me, and she catches a glimpse into his eyes. She sees his face, and she just starts to cry. She's just, just filled with this compassion because she said he just looks so sad in the state of life that he is in. She looks at me and says, we need to pray intentionally for this man, for God to work in his life. And so we did. Now, fast forward like a month I'm driving in the Publix parking lot of Curlew in 19, and I see this man walking on the sidewalk. And I'm like, all right, God, this is an appointment. You have put me in this man's path. I'm going to go witness to him. I'm going to go bring him to Christ and save his life, you know. And, uh, and so I pull up right next to him, and I'll never forget this. I say, can I get you some food? Can I just, just help you out for just a little bit? And he, and he looked at me and said, I don't need any help today. I don't want any food. I don't want any money. And he said, but thank you, and he walked away. I mean, this was a homeless man turning down help, and I just felt defeated. It's like, God, I've been praying. I was confused. I mean, I'm asking you to use me in this man's life. I'm trying to help. I'm, I'm trying to pour into him and do what I can, and he turned it down. And so for me, I kind of gave up spiritually. I, I kind of stopped praying. I felt like, God, I did my best. I tried to help him, uh, but he turned it down. Now, thankfully, my wife was more faithful And she kept praying that God would work in this man's life. Like three months later, I'm driving in the same parking lot. And I see this man in the same spot right in front of Publix. So I say, all right, this time I'm going to park. And I'm going to go with him face to face. And I'm going to go ask him. And so I did. I walked up to him and said, can I just go buy you some food just real quick? And this time he said, yes. And so I have one thing you have to do if I buy you food. You have to sit with me as we eat. And he said, all right, no problem. So we sit there, we're sitting in Subway, okay, and we're talking about life and, you know, we're talking about his upbringing and his dreams for his future and starting a family, and it leads into this conversation about me as a youth minister. And so I start telling him about what I do, and I said, would you be okay if I took you through some scriptures that could help you in the situation that you're in? He said, sure, absolutely. 
And for whatever reason, I have no idea why, but we're in this nice building, air-conditioned, sitting at a table. But I say, why don't we just go outside and I'll take you through some scriptures. And so we did. We're standing under this overhang outside of Publix in between Subway. And so I start taking them through some scriptures in Romans, talking about how, you know, we all are born with sin, and the wages of sin is death, but, but Jesus Christ came into this world and died for our sins, and if you have faith in him, you can have eternal life. And so I'm witnessing to him in the scriptures, and all of a sudden, I see this, this delivery man with a package, he's walking by, and he, he's seeing what we're doing, and he kind of slows down, he's looking, and then he just keeps on walking. And I thought nothing of it, I just kept going. Like five minutes later, the same guy, he's coming walking again. And this time he stops right next to us. And he goes, are you doing what I think you're doing? And I said, I think I am. And he goes, can I join? And this man, it's like an angel sent by God. He comes right into this conversation. And he starts to share his testimony about how God has saved him in his life and now he has so much hope because Jesus is his Lord and his Savior and his life will never be the same because of it. And you could see that this homeless man, it just became real to him. I mean, it's one thing for me to be doing it, but this man shares his testimony straight away and his eyes are locked on this man and his story. And so as he finishes his testimony, I look at this man and I say, would you like to give your life to Christ right now? And he said, yes, I would. Now, this is, this is true story, okay? The man that came in, the delivery man, he looks right at him after he says that. And he goes, I want you to lift up your arms right now because you are about to surrender your life to God. The homeless man looks at him and he throws his arms up as straight as can be and he bows his head. We put our hands on each of his shoulders and we lead him through a prayer to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amazing, amazing. See, God was working. We see some people just need help holding their arms up. They just need someone to support them as they put their faith in the Lord in the midst of their battles. Now, for some of us today, we're faced with a battle, and we've been trying to fight our way through it, and we've been trying to gain our own victory. For some of us today, it's time to lift up our hands, to take ourselves out of the battle, and to say, God, I trust in you, because you bring victory Isaiah 11.10, we read earlier, it says, In that day the root of Jesse, Jesse being the father of King David, and through David will come this Savior, Jesus Christ, who fought all of our battles with sin, and he defeated it for us when he died on the cross and rose again three days later. He will come, it says, and will stand as a banner of victory for the people's. And the nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. For some of you today, it's time to remove yourself from the battle and to rest in God's presence. Because he is Jehovah Nissi. He is the God who is victory. For some of us, it's time to realize that we all have a part to play in the battles of this life. See, because not everyone may be going through a battle, but someone next to you is. 
And all someone needs right here in this room is for someone to come around them, alongside them, to encourage them and to pray for them and to help them keep their faith strong in the battles that they face right this second. Because today we have an opportunity and we have the ability to come around and support someone. Because we all need to realize that in these battles of life, he is Jehovah Nisi. He is the God of victory. Would you pray with me? Father, you are so powerful. God, you call us to, not to fight for ourselves. God, you call us to remove ourselves from these battles we face, whether it's with marriage, whether it's with money, whether it's with our job, with an illness. God, whatever it is that we face in this room, you are Jehovah Nisi. You, God, are our victory in battle. And Father, I pray that we all realize that we all need help keeping our faith strong in you. God, as we all lift up our arms to you, May we come around each other as the church and love each other and encourage each other and provide support so that all of us can find victory in you. God, you are Jehovah Nisi. You are our victory. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.